Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to thank each and every one of you who joined me at Basta Bootcamp in DC this weekend. It was absolutely amazing to see so many of you from different industries sharing the challenges of managing a transition in your own career and life and sharing solutions, of course, for how to step up and be the boss of your destiny. It really is like such an affirming weekend. Every time we have Bossed Up Boot Camps, it reminds me of why and really how I started this company five years ago. And while it leaves me completely drained and exhausted, it also leaves me fired up and ready to go because I am just so inspired by each and every one of you and can't wait to keep in touch to see how the lessons learned at boot camp across work, love, and wellness begin to manifest in the changes that you make in your life starting right now. So if you join me there this weekend, know that if you're feeling a little overwhelmed, that's okay. That's where you're supposed to be. That's where I am right now. But it's really in the days and the weeks and the months that follow where you will start to see major transformation. And you better keep in touch with me because I want to hear about it. And I want to see you call into the podcast with your boss moves soon. If you missed us in DC this weekend, you can always catch our next Bossed Up Bootcamp coming to Los Angeles, November 17th and 18th. Learn more at bossedup.org slash bootcamp. And I hope to see you there. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another new episode of the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, and today I'm excited to talk more about one of my favorite topics. Do you ever feel like you are pulled in a million different directions? Maybe it's the many different hats you're wearing, the the mom duties, the freelancer duties that your clients are waiting on, the duties to yourself to try to keep healthy and, and be good to yourself. I certainly feel that strain, and it's really foundational to everything that we talk about here at Bossed Up. In fact, there's a technical term in the research for all of that, and it's called role overload. Role overload is, of course, when you feel like you are wearing too many hats to too many different people and too many other people are counting on you for things. It's an experience that rings true for so many women in particular because we tend to have more guilt that has to do with goals that relate to another person, like wanting to keep our families well-fed or spend time with our partners or have meaningful quality time with our girlfriends or our mothers or whoever. And this can be especially challenging when you're running your own business because doing the work is one thing, but working on your business is another. And all my freelancers out there and anyone who's got a side hustle that they're balancing on top of everything else knows if you don't fill up your own pipeline with customers, nobody's going to do that for you. 
And balancing that with living a happy, healthy, and sustainable life on top of it all, it can feel super overwhelming. That's what we're talking about today on the podcast as inspired by this listener-submitted career conundrum from Megan. Hi, Emily. My name is Megan, and I'm calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm a writer and freelance photographer, and I am trying to figure out how to balance work life, family life, and a ongoing chronic illness. And just trying to figure out how to take care of myself, but also take care of the people in my life that I care about and not let my business completely dry up. I feel like in a way it's like a triangle where I can pay attention to either my health and my family or my family, my business, or (laughs) my business, my health, but all three things don't seem to work together. So I would love to hear from somebody who has navigated those waters. Megan, I'm so glad you called in and asked this question. It is foundational to everything we talk about when it comes to being the boss of your own life. And in your case, being the literal boss of your own business. And your question reminded me of someone who I admire not only for her entrepreneurial prowess, but also because of the wellness journey she's been on along the way. I'm talking about Jules Hunt, a wellness entrepreneur, yoga and mindfulness teacher, self-proclaimed plant lady and dog mama, who's been building an incredible wellness platform and community at her blog at Om andthecityblog.com. Jules, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So Jules, I was inspired by your story, especially as it pertains to today's listener-submitted career conundrum on the Bossed Up podcast. Like you, I really set out to start my business as a way to help women create not just a kick-ass career, but one that really sustains the lifestyle that they want, that happy, healthy, sustainable way of living. And I feel like that's the focus of the platform that you've created in so many ways. So what is your take as a freelancer, as a boss, as someone who's running your own business and how you manage making wellness a priority for yourself without your business suffering? So I think it's something that you constantly have to revisit over time. So it's constantly changing. And I think that if we stop thinking of balance as an actual thing and start thinking of it more as a work-life integration and just knowing that you're constantly moving in and out of different seasons of your life. Like sometimes you're going to have to let some things fall to the side. Sometimes like it's not ideal, but just being compassionate with yourself and knowing that you're human and you're doing the best you can just takes that pressure off. But I definitely think it's something that you constantly have to keep reminding yourself and checking in with yourself. Totally. And how do you find ways to do that? So the first thing I do is to just let go of guilt. I think a lot of us feel guilty, you know, if we say no to something or, you know, if we can't show up for everyone in every which way that is asked of us, we tend to feel guilt. So I try to live my life by letting go of what I should be doing and move more towards like how I feel is best going to serve me and also serve the people around me, knowing that I can't pour from an empty cup. So it's just for me, it's all about building a sustainable lifestyle, not something that's going to burn me out. 
Yeah. I remember when I started Bossed Up, I thought to myself, okay, I can't burn out starting a company focused on fighting burnout. The (laughs) irony would be too rich. And yet I found that being your own boss can sometimes be not only a privilege in terms of flexibility, but kind of a curse in that no one's going to fill that pipeline with business except you. So for our freelancers listening, and many of our community members at Bossed Up are not freelancers. They're corporate women. They're women who are maybe balancing a side hustle with a full-time job. But for those who are freelancers, like our listener today, Megan, you know, how did you go about setting yourself up for a sustainable business model when you were just really figuring out how to monetize this platform of yours? So I think in the beginning, it was definitely hard. And I think I had to learn the hard way to know, you know, what are the things that I should actually be filling my time with? Or what are the areas of my business that is draining me? So as my business has grown, I've been able to outsource the areas that are just totally not, not for me, things I hate doing, things that just take way too much time. So if you have the resources to outsource, then I definitely think it's worth it because it can be scary to give that piece of your business to somebody and have them be responsible for it. But at the end of the day, if it can free up your time so you can do all the things that you love to do that you're really good at doing, that to me was a game changer. Also, monotasking. That's a big thing for me. I used to, you know, on resumes, we would say like, I'm an excellent multitasker. It's like, well... I want your brain all in one task and I want you to do it really, really well and then check that off your list and move on to the next one. Like that's that's how I've been trying to get through my day. So I've become a lot more realistic about what's on my to-do list and what's yeah. actually something I can accomplish. I like that term realistic. I used to call myself an aspirational planner. (laughs) So I used to put so much on my daily or weekly to-do list that it was wishful thinking. And that is a recipe for guilt. If there's anything I've learned over the years, a plus one, everything you just said, especially outsourcing, which sort of brings me to billing properly, right? For freelancers, especially, we often think, okay, how much is this time going to take me to achieve? this product or or service that I'm providing and we bill accordingly. But what we have to start doing is also building in for the overhead of the business and being comfortable in a competitive landscape sometimes Mm -hmm. at standing by your pricing, which can be so hard because it feels like this personal reflection. How have you managed to do that over the years and, and really find your, find your niche as a freelancer, as a writer, as a content creator, all of the above? Well, I definitely underpriced myself in the beginning. I remember charging $35 for an Instagram post with a toothpaste brand. And looking back, I'm like, holy cow. And I remember thinking to myself, how do people do this full time? Like there's just how many collaborations are they taking on to possibly sustain themselves full time? And then I realized like, oh, I have to raise my rates. If people are always saying yes, then that means I need to raise my rates. So that's kind of the method I go by. You know, like there's obviously some formulas when deciding you know, like market price, you know, what you should be charging. But at the end of the day, if every opportunity that comes your way and you tell them your rates and they're like, great, then you've probably not priced yourself high enough. So I recently raised my rates because I kept getting so many yeses and I felt overwhelmed my schedule. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather take on less collaborations that are of higher quality. And that way I'm not spreading myself too thin. That's a great strategy too. 
Now, something that I think all of us, whether we're freelancers or not, can relate to is what Megan kind of alluded to in her voicemail. She, she described it as a triangle, trying to care for your family, your health and wellness, and then your business and how it always feels like when you focus on one of those, you're neglecting the other two. And that's something we focused a lot on here at Boss Stop in terms of the research around managing multiple long-term goals. How do you find yourself really mitigating the guilt, letting go of the guilt, but also planning to monotask on one of those aspects of your life? Or, or what does that juggle look like for you? What have you learned over the years in terms of managing loved ones, wellness, and your business? So I think what's really helped me is getting a really solid morning and evening routine set because those are my time for self-care and time to like dedicate to my own well-being. And then I think by batching my tasks um, during the week, that's also helped me. So I'm still kind of refining that process. But what I found is like, if I can spend, you know, Tuesdays just batch writing content and then Wednesdays, like going through the nitty gritty emails and like all the accounting stuff that I have to like, figure out paperwork and things like that. It's my brain is in a different place on those days. That way I'm not constantly switching creative brain to business brain. And I'm all over the place because that's kind of where you lose, you know, you actually can pack a lot into a day. But if you're constantly turning on and off your brain to different areas of your business, you're losing that productivity there. And I, I don't believe that you have to fill up every single slot in your calendar. And I don't think you should. So I think batching your tasks, making sure to kind of serve like that side of your brain that you're working with. And just, you know, also just knowing that things are going to come up and try to be flexible to them. I like that because I've heard it described as as mitigating the switching costs because there are costs in terms of switching from that accounting brain to the writing brain to the managing brain. And for so many companies that I come in and, and speak to about burnout and sustainability, the number one complaint I hear from folks in nine to fives are we have too many meetings and too many interruptions. And so it's really about being assertive with batching your time and doing whatever the heck you need to do to reserve that time, even if it means stepping away from email for a little while and really allowing yourself to have that precious focus time, which is at such a premium in our in our workplace today that pulls you in a million different directions all at the same time. Yes, exactly. And I think pausing your inbox is really smart too. I I mean, I have the boomerang and the pause your inbox uh, add on on Gmail and it's fantastic. (laughs) I highly recommend as well. You know, Mm -hmm. when you were speaking of batching, you reminded me that a couple years ago, I stopped taking meetings before noon and it completely changed my entire life, my entire business. Unless there's some true exception, I reserve all my mornings for the hard work, which is writing and content creation and giving yourself that precious time in the morning, if that's your personal schedule that works best for you, or whenever your brain is optimized to get stuff done, really preserving that time takes a whole lot of assertiveness. And it's not always easy, right? If you have kids or if you've got client-facing work that doesn't allow for that, there's a lot of ways that that can be impeded. But, you know, making that commitment to yourself is so valuable. One of the other components uh, that Megan brought up that I would love for you to speak to is her very brief mention, but it was it seemed like an important aside of her chronic illness 
And I feel like so many of us, you know, we just on the podcast did an episode on struggling with mental illness and when you might want to disclose that to an employer. But so many of us are sometimes silently or invisibly struggling with a lot of different components to our health and well-being that totally bleed into the rest of our lives. What has your experience been like on that front? What started your whole wellness journey? I started my wellness journey five years ago, more like six years ago. I started my blog five years ago, but I had been struggling from high school and into college with depression and an eating disorder. And those kind of just changed my experience that I've yeah. had in high school. And sometimes looking back, I wish I could go back in a way because I, I see how different I was. But at the end of the day, all of those things helped me evolve into what I have today. So there are no regrets in that sense. So yeah. I definitely struggled and I had no idea kind of where I wanted to go. So I moved to New York right after college and got a job in fashion. And that job was definitely a toxic environment. So yeah. I, I definitely relate to the people, you know, who've had really toxic company cultures. And I've definitely been bullied in the workplace. And it's usually been by women directly. And I've experienced it all. So I can't really say I wish I could know the things that I know now. Mm. But... I definitely relate. <laughs> so anyways, when I was uh, working in fashion, long story short, I needed an outlet and starting a blog was my creative outlet. And at that point, you know, like I was getting better with my struggles with mental health. I think moving to New York, getting away from my hometown, you know, moving away from familiar old patterns that kind of reminded me of bad times yeah. really helped me. So like moving to New York just gave me that sense of independence and just really, you know, like helped me learn so much about myself. So I started my blog as an outlet and that was just like what I looked forward to after work every day. And I just yeah. poured my heart out into it and expressed myself. And I've always expressed myself through writing. You know, this is not my first blog. I had yeah. several other outlets of writing prior to that, but this is the first time that it really felt like in alignment with what I wanted to talk about. Let me jump in here because I think it's good to provide our listeners with a little context as to how far you've come from since then. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about, in a, in a sort of snapshot, where Omen the City is now? So now I have over 50,000 mindful humans from all over the world. And I've been working for myself full time for the past two years. And since I left my nine to five two years ago, I've tripled my income. And it's just been such a really cool experience to see my business change and evolve yeah. and just move in ways that I never thought were possible. And I launched my digital guidebook, which is something that I never thought about doing until this year. And it seemed like such a big task and something that I didn't know if I could do. And I did it. And I've just felt, I felt super focused and in alignment with what I want to do and what I want to put out there. That's awesome. Congratulations. And I want to speak to that further because I think I'll, we'll get back to sort of handling chronic illness as an it's entrepreneur. It's a long story. <laughs> it is a long story, but it's worth it. We'll get back to that in a second. But I also want to highlight some things you've said here that might relate to Megan's situation. I think a lot of us, especially as entrepreneurs and definitely myself included, as women, we are especially reticent 
to promote ourselves. And when she talks about filling up the business pipeline, you know, I'm trying to think about how hard it is to make delivering on your services a priority while also making business acquisition, customer acquisition a priority. And I think oftentimes even I struggle to say, hey, pay for this service that I provide. Hey, pay for this shameless plug, bossed up bootcamp <laughs> training yeah. program that we have coming up. When in reality, I'd much rather provide a ton of content for free. And so what do you think the battle is for women? Or, or maybe you don't think it's a gender thing, but what has been your battle with self-promotion? And what advice might you have for Megan to make filling up her business's pipeline easier? I think my struggle with promoting myself kind of stems from just my, my past, like my whole yeah. past of mental, my mental illness and just like having issues with being insecure, not confident in who I was, how my body looked or, you know, just, I felt very insecure. And I also never wanted to come off as conceited or self-promotional. And that's just not my personality. No one exactly like did that to me. It's just something that like happened over time. And yeah then moving into like a workplace that was very toxic and, you know, experience having experience with being bullied and knowing that I needed to keep my Instagram on private. Cause I know that people were always snooping and wow. starting rumors and gossip. And I mean, it was just like that fashion toxic. It's uh, a little world. cliche. You're like, I moved yeah. to New York. I got a job in fashion and it was basically the devil's wears, wears Prada. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that, that movie exists for a reason. Yeah. Because some of it is very true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's just something that we as women often feel like we need to constantly apologize for things or we have to like soften things before we say them. And that's something that I don't know, society has ingrained in us. We have to like be polite and pretty right. and nice. And I think it's something that we have to constantly, you know, put like do a reality check and say, actually, I have a seat at this table and I have a voice and I shouldn't have to sugarcoat things. I can be very direct. So moving to New York, getting through that job, and then just shifting gears really helped me come into my own and find my voice and not be afraid to, you know, like negotiate for the salary that I deserve. And, yeah. you know, just not be afraid to ask for what I believe my value is. And so when you promote your stuff now, when you go on Instagram and say, buy my awesome new ebook on wellness, like, how does that feel for you? How do you manage that fear of being seen as conceited? Or do you just say, it's there and I'm going to do it anyway? I don't really feel like I struggle with that anymore because yeah. I have found, finally found that community that, you know, it's excited to hear about the new things that are coming out or is excited to hear from, from me. But definitely in the beginning, I struggled with that. And I did have experiences where people were judging me and like, who who is she like posting these yoga photos? Like, you know, it's just something that people didn't understand back then. But then, you know, if they looked at me a couple years later, like, oh, oh, okay, I see. She was she was building a business. I love <laughs> so it. I wasn't just trying to post all these pictures just for, for fun. It was like I was trying to build a brand for myself. And so it sounds like what you're saying is that not everybody's going to be a bomb ass Instagram influencer, right? Like not everybody's business is that beautiful as your Instagram feed is. But it sounds like what you're saying or the advice that we might derive from that experience is to provide some free content in order to start building a community of people who know you for what you want to be known for. Oh, for sure. I mean, like majority of my content is yeah. free. Like I write 
anything that I'm feeling and I don't hold it back. I don't save it for something I'm going to charge for later. Like, and you're hearing in real time things that are going on in my life. And if I've learned certain like takeaways, I share that. Um, there is like overall strategies for ways that I can, you know, put content together. That's going to make it easier for people to access and, you know, maybe opt in to pay for something. Um, I'm still exploring that side of it, but I mean, overall, I do. I'm a, I'm a big believer in like giving as much free content as possible because I never want people to feel like they have to pay to get value out of what I'm putting out. Yeah. There. And I feel like that's been the most feel good version of marketing I've ever experienced is like saying, here's how I can help you for free. And for those of you who want more, here's my product or service. And Not every industry makes use of content marketing, but I think as a freelancer, there are way many creative ways to integrate some of that kind of community building and and content marketing into any freelance practice that would really help you stand out. So Megan, I hope that inspires some creativity on your end and it can actually make marketing feel and selling, dare I say, feel like community building. It doesn't feel like selling when you're creating a community of the exact kind of target audience member who would probably buy your stuff, right? Totally. So let's go back to managing this business and recovering, right? Or sort of managing mental health along the way. Have you ever found yourself, you know, escaping a toxic workplace is one thing. I'm all here for that. In fact, I'll drop a link in the show notes to a couple related episodes for anyone who's experiencing bullying at work or a narcissistic boss or a toxic workplace. But how about when the bully's in your own head? Do you ever find yourself struggling as a solopreneur to keep your health and wellness in check? And how do you deal? Yes, there's there's always, you know, that bully in my head, you know, that's that's telling me like do you deserve, you know, what you've created? Are you worthy of what you created mm-hmm. and Sometimes I have to give myself a reality check. I'm like, damn, girl, you built this. Don't don't get down on yourself right now. Just because you're having a down week doesn't mean that you, you know, should get stuck there because there's going to be highs and lows. So it's just having that resilience too. And just knowing when, you know, it feels, and I always say this, like, I'm all about simplifying your life. So it seems yeah. when I'm feeling overwhelmed, it's usually that I need to simplify some area of my life. And that's what my guidebook is about. So if whether I need to simplify my schedule, you know, simplify all that I'm saying yes to and, you know, start saying yes to the important things and saying no to the rest, you know, or even as far as just simplifying the clutter, physical clutter that is surrounding yeah. me. Yeah. But also knowing that when I'm feeling out of alignment, it's usually because I need to simplify. And when one thing is out of alignment, it can shift everything else. So when it rains, it pours, it just feels like everything is going downhill when really it's just one thing or two things that you might need to shift around and then everything will get back into place. I love that piece of advice. And I hope Megan or anyone listening to this episode who is having one of those down days can give yourself the benefit of the doubt that things are going to come back up again, that there will be an upswing, but also just take that first step of simplifying something in your life right now. I'm in the busiest week of the year. I'm definitely in the busiest month of the year, if not the busiest week of the year. And when I woke up this morning, the first thing I wanted to do was clear the decks and make sure my house and my environment and my home office were clean because it really does make a difference in the mental state 
that you bring to the rest of your day. And I love, love, love that piece of advice. Well, I am so delighted that you said yes to this interview, <laughs> Jules. Of course. And want to see, is there any other key learnings that you think anyone who's struggling with the guilt of feeling like every time you focus on work, you're basically neglecting family and wellness along the way. Any other tidbits of, of advice for simplifying or bringing a minimalist approach to managing that guilt? Um, I guess just to always think of sustainability and long-term and to just not get so caught up in all the noise and really focus in on what are your pillars, like what are your core values in life that you really want to spend your time and energy on. And you can always come up with like your core priorities for your profession and then your core like personal priorities and yeah. kind of checking in with both of those because we all tend to say yes to so many things and try to be everything to everyone. And I think we just need to simplify you know, eliminate all the noise and turn off the notifications and just learn to like, just know when it's time to turn off the lights, go to bed and feel glad that you did everything that you did. And tomorrow is a fresh new day. Yeah, I love that. Well, I've got a ton of advice to integrate into my day and week <laughs> moving forward. And one of my also favorite things that I've seen you do on Instagram, which kind of mirrors one of our practices here at Bossed Up is setting monthly intentions, which I think feed right into that philosophy, right? Of reminding yourself what your core values are, where you want to focus your time and energy and effort. At Bossed Up, we have a tool called the Bossed Up Life Tracker, which is a one-page worksheet that really helps you prioritize in advance, like here's where I'm going to focus this month or week. And the rest is not, you know, I'm not chucking it out the window, but it's in the back seat for right now. And sometimes giving yourself permission to prioritize that way, I've found, can help reduce the guilt as well. What has that practice been like for you, integrating those monthly intentions? So things are always changing. And that's why I think it's good to check in monthly because something that yeah. might have been a priority to you last month may have changed or shifted you know, the next month. Because when I was launching the guidebook, my workout routine was not the same as it was. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm working on this guidebook. I'm not going to work out the way that I used to because I'm focused totally. on this. And that's okay. We're always moving through seasons of our lives. We can't expect ourselves to constantly keep up that same go, go, go mentality for every area of our life. It's just unrealistic. So once I let go of that pressure that I'm putting on myself, yeah. nobody else is expecting me to do these things. I'm the only one right. putting that on my to-do list. So I'm in charge of that. So I can change things if I want to. <laughs> I love hearing a wellness person like you say, sometimes my wellness is not on lock. That is just, <laughs> that's like the authentic answer we really love here at Boston because giving yourself permission to not go to the gym and not feel guilty about that because you're mindfully prioritizing something else is just such good advice. And it's just reality. Anyone who says that they constantly have their workout and their healthy eating and their family and their business imbalance all the time is lying to you. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Which is why I was so glad when Megan called in, she said, I'd like to hear from someone like you. And I was like, oh, don't say who's figured it out because that ain't me. But she's like, who's been through this before? So I think we've all been there. I think the more forgiveness we can bring to ourselves and to this conversation, the better. And thank you for being here, yeah. uh, Jules, and bringing such grace and, and some real talk to this conversation. We certainly appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. 
To learn more about Jules and to catch up on her great advice for living a more minimalistic, simplified life, head to ohmandthecityblog.com. And now it's time for this week's Boss Moves Moment of the Week. Hi, my name is Frances. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, and my boss move of the week is more like a boss move for the last few months. Back in July, I decided to ask for a raise that I felt I deserved because I was being grossly underpaid. And after a few months, I finally got word last week that I was granted not only the number that I wanted, but I was being paid 5000 more. So it felt really good. It felt like all my hard work has finally paid off. Yes, boss. I am cheering you on and so thrilled that you chose to call in and share your come up story. We're rooting you on and I could not be more proud. And thank you so much for sharing because as I always say, you never know who you're inspiring when you dare to share what you've done and what you've achieved and what you've learned along your journey. And speaking of what I've learned along my journey, here is an awesome review from one of you listeners in Apple Podcasts or iTunes that I simply had to share. This week's featured review comes in from Allison KPS, and she titled her review, This Show is Yas, and then she included a whole bunch of A's and S's in her Yas. She says, this show is incredible. It has really reframed how I think about my job, my self-worth as an employee, and how to manage my career goals. I've been listening since the beginning, and Emily's advice, as well as the advice of her guests, has helped me through so many career conundrums. Necessary listening if you want to be a hashtag boss lady. Thank you so much for writing in, Allison. I so appreciate it and hope to always stay focused on actionable advice that can help you be the best boss lady you can be. If you haven't already, take a moment now to review the Bossed Up podcast in Apple Podcasts now, and your review might just be the next one I read on the air. It makes a huge difference to me because I read each and every one myself, and it makes a big difference in helping other people find the podcast. And now, boss, I want to hear from you. What do you think about Jules's approach to minimalist, simplified living? What do you think about just letting go of the guilt? What has helped you manage the guilt when you feel like every time you focus on work, you're neglecting the rest of your life and vice versa? Frankly, I think it's a never-ending process, and we all could use some more boss tips from each and every one of us to learn and grow along the way. Take a screen cap and tag me now to let me know what you thought of today's episode and what advice you would add to our listeners' career conundrum today. I'm at Emily Aries, that's E-M-I-L-I-E, Aries, like the Zodiac, or at BossedUpORG on all the platforms. And until next time, keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose, and together we'll continue to lift as we climb. Let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Jahansky calls this 
loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.